Okay, let's get on with our lesson here as we continue to talk about discipleship. And today we're going to talk about accountability. Oh, yeah, Jazz is fired up. Woo, accountability, which, which is unusual, Jazz, because a lot of people don't get fired up about accountability. We normally don't, we don't look forward to job reviews. It's like, ooh, they're going to be evaluating me. This will be great. You know how it is when you're going down the highway and you don't have a care in the world. And then you see that state trooper coming up behind you. You're like, oh. And you're looking and I'm dead on the speed limit, but I'm still nervous. I don't like accountability. You know, I would just rather not have it in my life. Yet, accountability is really what set discipling relationships apart. Or de-groups is what sets them apart. It makes them more than just sin control groups. Or social groups of like-minded people. Or even maybe a, a group discussion on some really cool uh, biblical ideas or knowledge, you know. Wow, did you hear about that third century BCE Hebrew word means this? And you can. Accountability is what sets the group apart from those things. And those things aren't bad. I'll talk about them in a minute. We, we, we need to have them. But accountability is that magic thing that makes it deeper and it gets us into more the realm of spiritual growth. And ultimately, that's what we are called to do. That's the goal of what we've been talking about. And these one another relationships is spiritual growth. We call ourselves disciples of Jesus. That means as people, we have made decisions that I want to be like Jesus. I want to grow in my character and in my personality and in how I think and how I process to be like him. So that's what we, we call it, and that's what a disciple of Jesus is. So this is what really helps us to do that. Accountability. Small groups or as individuals, and we're going to even further define that. Our goal is... Uh, it, it, it kind of like, well, how, what do you mean groups? And, and Okay, minimum of two people, maximum of five. And I'll talk about why in just a moment. But we need this part in our life because we need help sticking to what we've committed to. Bottom line, that's, that's what it, it helps us stick to what we've committed to. Every one of us who have given our lives to the Lord, what we said when we said Jesus is Lord, what we said is, is okay, I'm no longer going to live for myself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to surrender my life to God. I'm going to say, not my will, but your will be done, whether I like it or not, whether I share that desire, I'm going to surrender to your desire, and that's not easy. That's hard. And it's not natural, which is why we need help to do it. Because usually it's great when you're getting baptized and they're saying, what is your good confession? Jesus is Lord. That's easy. It's when you're out there on the streets and the temptation's hitting you. And you hadn't been praying and you hadn't been in your Bible and, you hadn't been, and you're feeling weak and you're feeling down. Then it gets hard 
and I need help to be all I can be. And so that's what we're talking about. And that's our goal is spiritual growth. We want help. We need help to grow deep in this relationship. Not just knowledge. Knowledge is good and you need some knowledge. But did you ever wonder? Nobody in the New Testament had a New Testament. Yeah. They didn't have an electronic one. They didn't even have a paper one, Derek. They didn't have none of it. Yet they could be spiritually strong. We need help. Now, first of all, we got to understand about accountability. We're already accountable to each other. We're already accountable to each other. Now, this is where a lot of people miss things. They've bought into the lie that Christianity is all about just me and God, just me and Jesus. And they choose churches or fellowships that minimize deep interpersonal relationships and focus on or maximize emotional Sunday experiences. And we talked about last week, well, why? Well, because it's easier. It makes me feel good. It's a lot less stress, a lot less work. And I can come to church and I can get pumped up and get fired up. But we've got to see we're accountable. The whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 12 focuses in on we're accountable to one another. We're all one body together. And he goes to all of these details about how this body works together. And he says in verse 27, you're the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. But right before he says that, he says the part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part rejoices, every part rejoices with it. Why? Because they're all connected. If they're not connected, then one part suffers. Well, that's, that's bad. I feel bad for you. You know, that's, that's tough. I'll, I'll pray. Uh, but, but, but you're not connected and you don't feel it. But he says here, all the parts should have equal concern. And I looked up that word concern uh, in, in Greek language. And it said to care for, to look out for, to seek to promote one's interest, caring for or providing for. He says, you've got to do this for one another. So this is what we're called to. We are accountable to each other. All right? We're also accountable to God's will. All right? Whether you want to be or not. Okay? We can't say, God, I appreciate it, but I ain't taking your standards. I'm sorry. I don't accept that. It's not going to matter on Judgment Day. God's still going to hold us accountable. Okay? We can't get away. We're hold accountable to God's will. We are accountable to one another. But let's break this down and how all of this works. We're all called... Certainly, as individuals, to be followers of Jesus. And that kind of sounds like, well, it sounds like just me and Jesus. But we're also called to what this slide here says. All of these one another passages, and I couldn't, you look at all, those are just the words. Love, pray, comfort, confess, humility, washing feet, receive, teach, greet, forgive, compassionate. I wouldn't put all the scriptures that support all of those because it's just way too many. We're called to all of that too. And we are accountable to all of these things. So, 
discipleship partners, accountability partners, whatever you want to call them, or discipleship groups, what they do is they help create an environment to do all of this. To have an opportunity, not just for those who want it, but for those who want it, but I don't know how to get into it. I, I, I don't know how to arrange it. I, I'd love to have it, but I don't have it. How do I get it? It provides that for us. And the numbers I spoke about, the two, minimum of two, maximum of five, what that is designed to do is to create an environment and an opportunity to do this. Because one, well, you're by yourself, okay? Hard to be accountable when you're by yourself. Because I can talk myself into anything, okay? Hard to be accountable when you're by yourself. Now, when you get six or more people, when you get six or more people, what happens is, is people start to feel like there's not enough time, space, or room for me to really get deep about what's going on in my life. Now, six or more is great for social groups and for groups that are here to support and to be friends with one another and to comfort one another and encourage. They're great for that, and we need that. Okay? And six is great for cool Bible knowledge groups and discussions on that. Okay, because you can sit and geek out on that stuff, and it's really a lot of fun. But if you want that spiritual, that accountability, it starts to get too many people. And this is why we put those numbers on there to help us, to give us this best opportunity. Now, this slide is here to show us a, a definition I came up with for accountability. Accountability whether it's with two of you or five of you, is someone who holds my mirror in front of me so I can see myself. Okay? Because I don't always see myself like other people see me. Now, when I notice that people, a lot of people we have that we see ourselves in a certain way, we either see we, ourselves how we want to be, how we wish we were, or whatever. But it takes other people involved to really help us See ourselves clearly. Now, let's look at this. You've all heard this story, and it's been a while, probably, the emperor's new clothes. You've heard of this story, Hans Christian Andersen, right? The emperor gets around, and somehow he figures out that, I don't know how he got there, because I'm not totally familiar with the story, how he got to the place to where he's naked, but he thinks he's got these new clothes. And nobody in his kingdom will tell him the truth. And so he's walking around in his new clothes. And everybody's going, oh, you're so handsome. I love your outfit. Because he's got a kingdom full of yes men and women. Until this little kid sees him. And the kid looks. And I think of Caleb when I think of this. Because you know how sometimes Caleb, he gets that look like, you know he's thinking, man. He's going, they're all saying he's got a great outfit. But uh, he's naked. And the emperor goes, everybody just, you know, a hush falls over the crowd. Oh, my gosh. Somebody said it. And the emperor looks. He goes, I am naked. And then he gets embarrassed, you know, and he runs away. Because kids will tell you, won't they? Kids will tell you. Drives me crazy. Love them grandkids sometimes. They go, hey, 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 you're too old. You know, hey, hey, you're fat. I'm going... I know why tigers sometimes eat their young. <laughs> the kids will tell you the truth sometimes. 
And that's the way it was there with that emperor's new clothes. The, 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 the challenge is, I don't want people judging me. Sometimes I think accountability is people judging me. Now, the thing is about the emperor's new clothes, everybody was judging him. Everybody knew he was naked. Thank God a little kid said it, because if a little kid hadn't said it, the whole country would have had just an emperor walking around naked all the time. He needed some accountability. He needed somebody to look at him and make a judgment call. Hmm, I think those really aren't clothes. <laughs> we need that. But let's look at what the Bible says about judging one another, because that's a touchy subject. Don't judge me. You've all heard it. Matter of fact, we'll quote Jesus in Matthew 7. It's a Sermon on the Mount, so you know it's got to be important stuff. He said in verses 1 through 5 of Matthew 7, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now here's the key point. I looked this up in the contemporary English version, which is really not a version. It's more of a, somebody's idea of what they think this says. But it says, it says, God will be as hard on you as you are on others. He will treat you exactly as you treat them. Now, we got to look at what Jesus is really saying here. He's not telling us don't make decisions about others. Okay? First of all, that's impossible. We all make decisions about others all the time. Even when we start saying, well, now, now maybe they didn't mean it that way. Maybe they meant this, or maybe this is a situation. Betrays the fact that I've already made a decision that's not very complimentary. I'm just trying to talk myself out of it. We all make calls. And actually, the Holy Spirit through Paul tells us we are supposed to judge one another. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 12, it says, What business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the immoral brother from you. He's talking about God will take care of it. We do need to take care of one another. And I think about this sometimes, you know. We hear about... Celebrities, maybe sports stars or entertainment stars, and they may have a questionable moral, ethical uh, uh, stand. And we say, how can you like them? They are this, this, this. this." I go, look, I don't hold them to a standard they haven't committed to. But it is my job to hold us to a standard we have committed to. We do pass that judgment on with each other. Now, he's not saying, well, take the plank out. Notice what he said. He said... Take the plank out of your own eye, then you can see how to take the speck. He didn't say, don't judge, don't do anything, don't call anybody on sin, don't help anybody grow. You're not perfect. We like to say that that's what he said. Someone challenges me, well, yeah, look at you. You know, because as long as you're looking at you, you ain't looking at me. So we like to throw it back. But that's not what he said. He said, first take the plank out of your own eye. Then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brothers. The point is, look, take care of yourself. Realize you're not perfect, okay? 
You're not this all-perfect, saintly individual that can point out everybody else's sin without even thinking about yourself. No, you've got issues, but he says take care of those issues and then take care of others. But the reality is get the plank and the sawdust out. Both. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And the same principle Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 1. He tells the church in Galatia, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. He says, but watch yourself, or you too may be tempted. So it's the same principle he's talking about here. Look out for yourself. Look at yourself. Realize that we're not perfect. Listen, I have proven I am capable of just about anything. How can I stand in arrogance and judging? So how, can, you know, do, how could you do that? And I realized, given the circumstances, I could do that. You got to watch yourself. And then look what he says in Galatians 6. He says, what's the goal? Restore them. That's the goal. Just like Jesus' goal, get the sawdust out. Our goal is to restore. Our goal is not to break them. This is what I mean by break them. You know, it's kind of like Drago and Rocky. I must break you. He's talking about, it's like, I'm going to convict you. I don't, think you're, I don't think you're broken yet. I don't think you feel bad enough about your sin yet. I want to make you feel real bad. That's not the goal. We, we talked about in one of my D groups. I said, you know what? Somebody comes and confesses. And they're hurting, man, I, I, I fell back into this, I did this, I, man, I hate it, I don't know what to do. God and the Holy Spirit have already broken them. They're broken over their sin. They don't need to be further broken. What they need at that point is somebody to put their arm around their shoulder and say, okay, brother, okay, sister, what can we do now to help like, not get into this situation? How can I help you not be here again? The goal is to restore them. The goal is not to express my anger or disappointment or to express mm, how much you've hurt me and I'm so upset and I'll let them have it. I gave them a piece of my mind. I rebuked the tar out of them to say stupid things like that. That's not what he says here. He says if you're spiritual, maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's that those who were unspiritual were trying to restore them. Instead of those who live by the Spirit, he said, you restore them gently. Which I have found is the only way to really restore them. Now sometimes, yeah, you kind of got to get hard. We're not going to get into that today. We get into that when we talk about rebuking or whatever. It's a very, very seldom needs to be used tool. But occasionally, we need, someone needs to just wake up. But it's lousy for restoring person. That is always gentle. Okay, we're there. You're broken. You see it. Let's help. Let's help put you back together. Let's walk this walk together. That is the most effective method. Judging one another, calling out sin in one another, is actually a minor part of the discipling and accountability relationship. It's a minor part. Sometimes, and many times, mentoring is involved. Mentoring. Mentoring comes from uh, the Odyssey, 
Um, Odysseus was going off. He was going to fight the old Trojan War, you know. And uh, Telemachus, his son, was going to stay back home. So he asks his friend, mentor, to take care of his son while he's off at war and train him up. And so mentor, which is where we get the word from, becomes his teacher and his counselor and his protector and his provider and his confidant and his friend. And they develop this close bond of affection and respect over time. And we've taken that... And we've talked about now mentoring. And that's where it comes from. And they built a relationship. And that's what it, part of discipling is building a relationship over time. Uh, one of the brothers in our group mentioned, he goes, well, yeah, but there's got to be love. And yes, it needs to be love and commitment. But that usually doesn't happen without time. It takes some time to commit to it. And in that process... The, the affection and mutual respect. I mean, you give someone affection and respect. But I'm talking about the, the deep one that, you know, man, I've just grown to have such close relationship and a bond. That takes time. You've got to kind of commit to it. And that comes with time. And then he, he, he gets in there and they have shared experiences. We have so many shared experiences in this room. And we have so many not shared experiences. In this room. So many more experiences that we can share. See, some of us feel like, I, I can't mentor anybody. My life's a mess. My life has been just... Well, how about you can share with them, hey, I've made all them mistakes. Don't go down that road you're going down because I've been down that road and it's not going to take you where you want to go. That's an important lesson. That's an important thing. A shared experience to pass on. To others, it's not wasting that sin or wasting that bad trip down a bad road. It's using it to keep someone else from doing it. We've got so much of that in this room. Now, we're going to discuss some details next week about how to really talk about these things and practicals and mentoring and stuff. And we need to understand that mentoring is only a part of it as well. I mean, mentoring comes into situations to where like, uh, you know, I've been married like three or four times longer than you. Maybe I know a few more ways to mess up that I can help you avoid. But that doesn't mean I know everything about everything and you know nothing about nothing. That just means that there are certain maybe areas in parenting or this or that that I may know some more things or have some more experiences that I can help you out with. And so we understand even in mentoring, it's not... I'm the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-wise mentor passing upon life's wisdom upon you gracious people. It's, it's not that. But there is a part of it. That you go, you know, there are things to pass over. Every time, you know, there, there's certain things in relationships. There's, there's restoring. There's accountability. There's challenging. There's, there's mentoring. And mentoring is a part of it. Because every time that relationship, we need somebody, again, that will hold my mirror up so that I can see myself. And even as a person is training me and mentoring me, I give them authority to do that. Show me myself. Because you know what? I decide how and where I need to grow. I'll tell you what I mean by that. You see... Now, I get input if I'm smart. Why? Well, let's go back to the emperor's new clothes and the old man in the mirror. 
Because I don't always see myself like I ought to see myself. If I get input and help from others how I should grow and where I need to grow. But ultimately, I've got to decide because that's the only way accountability works. Someone can impose accountability on me, but that only works for a very short amount of time. The only time it's effective is when I make a decision, this is where I want to grow and I want you to help me get there. Then accountability works. I give that authority to you. I give you the authority to ask me the hard questions. I give you the authority to hold up that mirror so I can see myself and help me see myself clearly. I give you permission to ask me and make sure I am doing the things that I know I need to be doing in order to reach the goal I want to reach. That's what we're talking about here. And that gets back to the whole authority thing. I give the authority to you, help me. But I've got to say, I need this in my life. And I, in turn, do the same for them. And then that passage in Proverbs 27, 17 comes to life, which says, like, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It implies you're both iron, which might mean you're both hard-headed. I don't know. But it means iron and iron. And when they sharpen, what happens? Sometimes sparks fly. But also what happens if you're doing it right? Both get sharp. Both grow. Both improve. So yes, sometimes it's mentoring. But all the time, with accountability, the most important thing is simply being there, showing up. Just being there for someone can sometimes bring hope when all seems hopeless. I would much rather have a person, let's say with only 30% experience, but they're available 90% of the time, than to have an expert in my life with 90% experience, but they're only available 30% of the time. Being there is far more important than being the expert or always having the answer. Someone said, what, 90% of success is showing up. Even those who get lucky breaks have to show up in order to get the lucky break. Being there. And I stress this because this is what's so important. Now, Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16, that verse that's up there. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows. And it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, he starts off by saying, instead. Instead of what? Well, you got to look at verse 13 and 14 to figure out what he's contrasting. Instead of being infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every uh, wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. I, I see that tossed back and forth by the waves. I think that, that is like you know, our emotions. Our feeling just things that, you know, I'm up, I'm down, I'm all over the place. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going crazy. And then there's the Weird teachings and the craftiness of whatever's kind of cool and hip right now. He says, what's going to keep us away from all of that? Speaking the truth in love and working together. 
to become the mature body. The mature body of Christ, one that is tied together. The mature body of Christ, one that sees to it that no one misses the grace of God. The mature body of Christ that sees to it that everyone is joined together. Everyone is supporting, uh, uh, is a supporting ligament, supporting one another. No one is left behind. A, superior, a, a mature body that builds itself up. That every part is working towards that goal. The goal of being a whole mature body. One that holds each other accountable to that for which Jesus holds us accountable. The mature body of Christ. That is this church. And we want everybody to be a part of it. We want every guest here today to be a part of it. If you're looking for just a church that will give you an emotional boost on a Sunday morning, hopefully that happens. But we want to go deeper and we want you to go with us. We want you to go to become the mature body of Christ, helping us as we help you, as we help one another join together, build one another up as every supporting ligament, holding each other accountable for that for which Jesus holds us accountable.